I'm Nina, a co-founder of the PRISM Awards and the Queer Comics Expo, and program coordinator at the Cartoon Art Museum in wintry, cold, rainy San Francisco. And I'm Jessica. I am the Mothman. Welcome to the Queer Comics Podcast. Uh, Mothman or not, welcome to the Queer Comics Podcast. Today we're talking about queer comics that are spinoffs of other media. So for today, we we really had to kind of build it up and narrow down what we were going to talk about. As always, we don't have enough time to talk about everything that's out there, but we hope you enjoy the ones we picked for today's show. I know that you, Jessica, have been a big fan of Last of Us, and I have somewhat from afar because, as I mentioned, I'm not a fan of horror or spooky or jump scare kind of stuff and so i get really stressed out playing those games i mean i, d- I don't blame you i mean for getting stressed out unfortunately it's not on pc because if it was a pc game i would have just been like just put a mod where it's like invincibility uh, yeah it can help people who are a- anxious about just dying in a game and they only want to experience a story to just get through the story yeah, um, this is why I like Destiny. The point of the game is to die. Yeah, Destiny, yeah, they do get around that, but yeah. yeah. So we need a modern day game shark, basically. I uh, mean, PCs have that, unfortunately, consoles. Yeah. I don't think they're going to, I don't think the way they lock them down, it's not going to happen. But I'm yeah. glad that you at least uh, watch the cutscenes. <laughs> yeah, no, no, thank goodness for YouTube. So um, if anyone yes. is interested in seeing the storyline from Last of Us, you can watch it all online, all glorious four hours of it. Mm-hmm. Um, like yeah, depending on whose cut you watch, because uh, there's a lot of different people, but I would recommend if you guys... Uh, aren't familiar with the last of us story we'll probably spoil it i I think we'll definitely spoil it yeah we will (laughs) but uh, i still always recommend people even if you know what's going to happen particularly with games like the last of us to go back and actually watch the cutscenes because there are they're really well done and when you especially when you consider the work that goes behind the animations and then on top of that the fact that the actors who do the mocap are doing it all in the mocap suits with like PVC pipe in like no sets, but they're pulling off Oscar worthy performances and it's amazing. Yeah. So. It's pretty much like black box theater if you're familiar with what that is, which is pretty much like a black room with no props uh, and no costumes. I've heard black box theater, but I don't think I ever really understood what it was. But well, now you know. I like that. It's basically uh, like mocap. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're going to talk about the uh, prequel comic. The Last of Us American Dreams. For reading this comic versus the the content that you see, I know the the version that I watched on YouTube was done in chronological order, so Mm. I'm not as familiar with how their relationship unfolds in the game. So could you just kind of share that? First. Yeah, so if you watch it chronologically, you're going to see intro to the original Last of Us game, which sets up Joel's story, and then it cuts back to Ellie and Riley, their adventure in Left Behind, which originally did not come out at the same time as the main game. It actually came out, I want to say, either a year or a year and a half after the original uh, game came out. So you have this entire fandom that like really rallied around these characters, Joel and Ellie, because... 
it's not a traditional father-daughter relationship because they're not related. Mm-hmm. And that was really unique one. And also Ellie is a very active participant in the story. She's not just someone that you're shepherding through the game and you have to protect her and she doesn't do anything. Ellie is uh, very useful in combat in the game and helps out from time to time when you're playing as Joel. And then you get to play as her in the game. And you don't really see Riley in the main game. She talks about her. You see her dog tags or her Firefly dog tags in Ellie's backpack. She mentions her. There's like an exchange at the end of the game where she talks about losing people and stuff like that. And you're kind of just led to believe like, okay, she's lost people. Riley's just like a friend of hers who died, right? Mm -hmm. You don't get that exposition. You know, Last of Us just becomes like this crazy crazy good game that like everyone loves and ellie's just really important to all the fans yeah i think ellie even refers to her in the game without the dlc left behind about as her best friend yeah yeah Yeah. so that's not as something else yeah yeah exactly because they didn't really have that kind of time so this is where we're getting into spoiler territory so just (laughs) fyi for anyone who cares So basically, Left Behind came out on February 14th, 2014. Oh, Valentine's Day present. So I just want to set the scene. So when the trailer for this DLC came out, I was was just like, oh, cool, another Last of Us DLC. And I watched that trailer like three times and I was like, what is happening? I was like, something's happening right in front of my face. And I was like, my gaydar just started pinging. I was like, no. Are those rose petals leading to the bedroom? I was like, there's no way they're going there. You have to think about it coming from like someone who's been playing survival horror games their entire life. Or just AAA games in general. Ellie would be the first out queer character in a major franchise. And I was like, there's no way this is happening right now. For that to be confirmed in the DLC was huge. And then when they announced it was coming out on Valentine's Day, I was like, oh, these son bitches. Oh, no. <laughs> so sure enough, played it as soon as it came out. I'm just a mess, right? Because picks up after the prequel comic ended. And it's interesting how they did it because the main game came out, the DLC came out, then I believe the prequel comic came out. So it's all different. <laughs> they all came out in non-chronological order. It uh, is interesting to kind of write that story backwards and then have the challenge be as the the writers and creators to try to make sure that the prequels make sense. Yeah, I don't think they planned it that way. It actually helped. The timing helped. It all came out, the DLC and the comic came out relatively close to each other and hmm. it helped especially if you're a fan to like kind of get a little bit more of uh, Riley Abel in your life because she's a really cool character so basically in the DLC you know Riley returns because it's like she had left Ellie at some point and Ellie's really mad because she's like why did you leave you asshole whatever Riley's main goal is basically to join the Fireflies she's tired of living in a military school she wants to get out in the world she believes in their message and she wants to go out one more time to this mall that her and ellie escaped to sometimes because one of their friends who lived who was like basically shacking down in that mall had passed away and she kind of uses that as a reason for them to go out and then it it's revealed later that she's gonna leave the boston area So her and Ellie kind of have to deal with not only their, you know, feelings about, like, Riley being gone and Ellie being a little bit pissed about that. But now Riley's revealing that she's straight up leaving. And they have, like, this really good moment where Ellie's, like, uh, you know, they're talking about, like, uh, you know, uh, do you want me (laughs) to talk you out of going? And Riley's, like, you're the only one who can or something. And it's, like, yeah, it's, like, 
ugh, right in the feels. But <laughs> it's it's a really cool DLC because it's the only story of The Last of Us where like you get to do stuff other than killing people. Obviously, though, it is intercut with. I don't I don't know if the cut I sent you had this, but the DLC you do have to kill people because it starts off. There's a break in the game. There's a time jump in the main game. Mm-hmm. Uh, where Joel is incapacitated. So mm-hmm. this DLC fills in that gap, and then it basically, in between the combat set pieces where you play as Ellie, trying to is get Is that hit. when she's trying to take care of him? Yeah, she's trying to take care of Joel, mm-hmm. and in between those combat set pieces, it cuts back to like her remembering that day when Riley took her out and told her she was going to Boston. It was nice to have that balance, because you don't get to really have a lot of fun in the main game or see Ellie have fun. And you get to see her like kind of be like a kid, and yeah, I really her- liked. There was a there's a part where they pick cars and they say whoever breaks all the windows first with yeah. the throwing bricks. Yeah, no, like that's really cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then you also have the pun book, which I figured you'd love. Oh yes, the I fact- loved the pun book. Yeah, and the fact that Riley gets her to pun book, you get to they find a photo booth that still has juice in it, and they take photos and. They go to the Halloween store. And they, they ask what the hell Facebook is because the <laughs> yeah. photo booth tries to well, ask I them mean, if they want to share to Facebook. I mean, maybe they can explain that to me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't get Facebook. Uh, but yeah. It's, so a, it's a book that you put faces in. That's what the DLC set up. The story of Riley's coming back to get her. And then ultimately, unfortunately, they have this really great moment where they're dancing. And then Ellie just asks Riley not to go and to stay and not leave Boston and Riley straight up just tears off her her tags her dog tags her firefly dog tags and they kiss and it's a really sweet innocent moment in that moment Ellie had everything she wanted in all this chaos yeah and then it's immediately destroyed of course as most things are in (laughs) post-apocalyptic stuff they get chased down by infected and then Ellie gets that's when Ellie gets bitten that's when Riley gets bitten. And then Riley says that line of, let's get all poet- poetic and, you know, lose our minds, our minds together. together. Yeah. And I believe she quotes Riley in the main game. She does, To yeah. Joel. But at that time, because we hadn't played the Left for Behind DLC because of how they rolled it out, you don't read that as romantic until you actually get the context in the DLC, which I thought was kind of genius for them to do it after. And in a way, like watching it chronologically, it works really well, too. Yeah, it's like cats out of the bag, just play it chronologically or for sure. Like Star Star Wars still works if you know that Darth Vader is his dad. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So... (laughs) Like many people, after I played the DLC, all I wanted was more Ellie and Riley. I hate that that's where their story had to end in the game. So it's hard to improve on greatness, but they did. And so basically it shows Ellie arriving to yet another military school in Boston. Mm -hmm. Apparently she's been to a few. Um, (laughs) She is getting bullied by some guys and Riley comes to her aid and like beats the crap out of them. You know, she's the new kid or whatever, so... Riley and her little standoffish at the beginning. And then Riley steals her Walkman. Which so, is referenced in the DLC. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, so basically, of course, Ellie knows that. So she gets it back and then they have a little, they don't have a fight, but, you know, it's kind of like, don't, not cool steal my shit. And they, they do seem to have this thing where, I mean, they are... 14 or like mm-hmm. just under 14 yeah it's around 13 or 14 yeah. yeah and so they and they live in a world where like 
it's not about freely expressing your emotions. It's about holding your shit together so you don't die. Yeah. And so it's interesting to see this back and forth between them struggling to express their feelings about each other, mm-hmm. but kind of expressing them in their actions, which is like, it's like beautiful examples of show don't tell and storytelling. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, hugely. Yeah. But then and- also these like moments of freedom when they actually <clears throat> do get to express their feelings just genuinely. Naughty Dog's always done a good job with their writing of characters. So Dark Horse worked with Neil Druckmann and uh, Faith Aaron Hicks on this. So they wanted people involved in the game to be involved in the comic. So it is very true to the characters. And basically Ellie follows Riley out one night and she sees her sneaking out because she, she wants to learn how to sneak out. They end up going to the mall, the same one featured in Left Behind. But at this time, the guy that Riley's friends with is alive at this point and he has a horse so Riley decides to let Ellie ride the horse or convinces her friend to be like, hey, can you give her a spin around the mall on the horse? Which is, it's really sweet. And, Which uh, in the DLC, she's on a, they go on the carousel on the mm-hmm. horse. And then yeah. also there's a, a note in the game where mm-hmm. they ask if she's ridden horses before. And she's like, yeah, some. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. And it uh, seems like it was all planned out. But really, it, it, no, it could have been. Was, maybe. But, but it's also like if you think about yeah. just like g- a good writer knows how to play to, you know, right. the yeah. themes it's within just, the story. However and, it was done, it was done well. Yeah. They, and they're really smart about it. And basically, it turn, Ellie finds out that, you know, Riley's whole point of going out that night is because she wanted to meet Marlene, the leader of the Fireflies. Mm-hmm. And because Ellie followed her, she used her as a distraction to get some steal some stuff from that guy. And they stumble upon a firefly uh, firefight, and Riley steals some smoke grenades, and they <laughs> help him help the fireflies escape with him, and basically come across Marlene and her crew. And Marlene's not really the most chipper person. Like Riley's like, "Look, we saved you," and she's like, does the typical you know Walking Dead kind of thing, where it's like, "You don't know what pain is," or some <laughs> shit like that, you know. Uh, you guys she are just playing around. Like that. Yeah, you know? she's like, "Do you think this is a game?" You know that kind of crap. And yeah. Of course, like other people stumble upon them, and another firefight breaks out because you know nobody's really completely good in this game. So Marlene has to fend them off, and Riley and Ellie end up having to help Marlene. Ultimately, end up basically saving Marlene's life because the bandits that come upon them kill the rest of her crew and then marlene confronts riley but like in a threatening manner but it's like one of those threatening manners where she's trying to get a sense of who riley is and yeah um it's clearly a test and Mm -hmm. then ellie kind of defends riley and marlene reveals that she actually knew ellie's mother anna Mm -hmm. so that's how ellie ends up with the note from anna in the main game and her mom had her and then some reason passed away but she had enough time to know she was gonna die so she writes the note to ellie and then marlene had promised to help her watch over ellie so marlene had secretly been watching over ellie this entire time and she reveals that and she's like i'll tell you more about your mom when you're ready so i have a i have a conspiracy theory that i just put together about maybe like why her mom died Mm -hmm. is that perhaps she was bitten but if she was Mm. bitten while she was still pregnant with ellie Mm -hmm. maybe that's why she's immune maybe what i don't know maybe that's not how science works i mean maybe i wouldn't be surprised (laughs) but then like but then it's also the thing where it's like they didn't know that ellie was immune at the time she was a baby Mm -hmm. so they would have assumed that she was dead yeah or if that's the case maybe they 
Maybe they just thought that they got off lucky. Oh, that's right. The the breakout doesn't happen until she's a teen. I don't. Yeah. So it's, it's... maybe that that's crap. Just edit that out. <laughs> well, so it's not that. a no. It's not a bad theory. I hope they explain it at some point. But so maybe not bitten, but infected. Honestly, my secret like crazy theory is that Riley's still alive. But <laughs> that'll always be on the back of my mind, no matter what, because I love Riley and Ellie. Yeah, uh, like it can't end like that. I mean, they never show Ellie having to kill Riley or Riley wandering off on her own. So who knows? But I, what I thought was interesting with the reveal about Marlene knowing Ellie, mm-hmm. and then also coupled with the fact that Riley's main objective this whole time was to meet Marlene and become a firefly. Mm-hmm. I think that was just like really interesting. Ellie just happens to end up at this military school with this kid who idolizes the woman who knew her mother that she never knew. Secretly keeping tabs on her. Yeah, and I just thought that was so brilliant. It was Mm -hmm. just so the way it's revealed and done is really cool. And Ellie probably never would have met Marlene had it not been for Riley. You know, like maybe Mar. I don't. Who knows when Marlene was planning to actually approach Ellie in person. You know, but they're kind of thrust into the situation where that happens. I'm also kind of curious about some things with Marlene about, like, she looks a lot like Riley. Like, at first, it, like, she I don't think she's it's got Riley's mother. Almost this, like, I'm not saying that. <laughs> but I'm wondering if they're trying to, like, allude to a similar situation. Like, I don't know. The, it's, it's the queer wish that, like, any, and it's from all the, like, history of subtext. That anytime you're like, I I knew your mother, like it kind of like like, almost like a biblical way. Do you yeah, believe me, I've definitely (laughs) been down that road. I'm like, if they reveal that Anna and Marlene were in love together (laughs) Oh my god. Mind Um, blown. But it's also this like, is it a paralleling of uh stories where like like what is Marlene, like, Marlene never reveals any sort of preference for, like, romantically or sexually towards anyone. So yeah. it's well, they don't really overtly read. sexualize a lot of characters in the game, which I like, but they mm-hmm. that doesn't stop them from revealing how people feel about each other, which is something I've appreciated about a lot of Naughty Dog games, like, especially Uncharted. Like, there's clearly romantic stuff between characters, but you don't have to be like completely like obvious about it with Joel and Tess like clearly there was something there but yeah she does say like there has to be enough of something here that like you'll take on this mission yeah to exactly. take Ellie yeah to that the whole fireflies. scene is oh my god <laughs> it's difficult um, to think about that game had a very big emotional impact on me and yeah. I, I rewatched the Left Behind cutscenes before this and it, it felt it <laughs> again it's a crazy thing about this DLC, mm-hmm. the Left Behind DLC. Just What's so you that? know, I <laughs> Tell it, us. Came, it came out on February 14, twenty fourteen. Mm-hmm. You want to know what else happened on that day in history? What? Ellen Page came out of the closet in her speech at the HRC convention. Uh, like hmm. I literally played, finished this DLC, get a knock on my room door, my roommate comes in, it's like Ellen Page just came out of the closet. And I'm sitting here crying already. (laughs) Mind you. And then I watch her coming out speech and I keep crying. So so is that the gayest Valentine's ever for you? It it, without going on a date, yes. (laughs) But 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 
it's like the stars aligning, and I actually, it's actually no longer on Game Revolution because they purged the site of manifesto mm. articles that were written over the years, which sucked. Uh, I actually wrote an article about that day because I was like, this is just too much of a gay coincidence. Ooh, like, maybe there's we can no post way... it on the uh, the forum or the show notes. If I, if you, if you if, have a copy, yeah. If I find my rough my draft copy, I'll uh, put put it up. But I I literally I wrote about this because I was like, this is just there's no way Neil Druckmann or anyone at Naughty Dog told Ellen Page we're releasing this game where you are always mistaken as the main character. Please come out today. <laughs> she is very. Uh... Uh, Ellie is very uh, Ellen Page looking. No, and and my dad even jokes. He's like, when I talk to him about The Last of Us, he's like, oh, you mean that Ellen Page game? And I've corrected (laughs) him a number of times, and he still says that. And I was like, it is not the Ellen Page game. It is the Ashley Johnson show. (laughs) And you need to respect her, because she run a BAFTA. She won a BAFTA. (laughs) So, anyway. Mad respect. Anyway, yeah, so... Uh, basically, Dark Horse was the one who approached Neil Druckmann and Naughty Dog about doing this because they've done mm-hmm. a few other video game spinoff comics. Yeah, and I, I'm really glad they did because we have this like beautiful like extension of the story that shows you a little bit more of like Ellie and Riley's dynamic, like how it started. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. I was sort of curious for I guess one last thing before we move on to the the next property we want to talk about. Um, since Faith Aaron Hicks worked on the comics and everybody should read everything she does, do you know if she had any involvement in the game writing at all? Yeah. No, I think, uh, I think it, I think she only wrote the comic. I believe she only I wrote mean, the comic book. In a, in a way, it might make sense because they brought her on to pencil. She has the, the personal background to be able to give feedback to the storyline. So if they weren't using the same person that they used for the game, then they at least knew they had someone to help make the story. So they had somebody who could be like a, a sensitivity reader or like a check to make sure that they were portraying this in the in the right way. Because there, there are so many subtleties, especially in the DLC, where they, they just, like you said, like it's just Naughty Dog does such a good job with writing. But I know for a fact that he did consult with one of the uh, a queer women on Naughty Dog staff about that DLC, which I'm glad that they did. It's uh, it yeah. did, like it reads so authentically. Yeah, like, and I was I'll... like, oh, I was, I was I, yeah. As I was watching it, I was watching parts of my like first relationships in high school as I was mm-hmm. coming out, like all mm-hmm. the freaking awkwardness, mm-hmm. wanting to say things but not, but then like doing it in other yeah. ways, like. Yeah. Uh, finding your friend super soakers yeah. and then saying we should have a, a water gun fight and get each other all wet yeah my my experience <laughs> was similar except for the coming out <laughs> so, um, see hard to admit but it's not hard for me still... to admit <laughs> no admit no it. no no at the at the time like you were you were expressing it through your actions more than your oh yeah your and words. this deal like honestly the mm-hmm. left behind dlc like even though it's the ending is ultimately what it is. Anything Last of Us related, I'm like, even if you have an aversion to horror, find a way to experience it in some way. Mm-hmm. And especially and- this comic is, it's not that long. It's a very short read. So I. Do you know how you, many issues it was? Or I believe pages? it's only three issues. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty brief. And then you, it's very brief, but you can, 
I, you can pick it up as like a, you know, as a graphic novel. So Last of Us American Dream. Read it. Mm-hmm. And I will say that you'd mentioned before that you'd had some of your most like touching or emotional experiences playing video games. Yeah. And I guess I wasn't playing quite the right video games nope. for that because I was like, nope. yeah, okay. And then I was just watching the cinematics for this and i was like ah she was right i went right i told you (laughs) what did i tell you you warned me yeah you did and and in some ways i would argue it's executed a little better than the walking dead which i love Mm -hmm. because I, i liked it yeah like there were there were times where i was looking at it where i forgot that i was watching like animated characters there was a moment where i had to be like oh wait that's not a human yeah that's uh it's pretty well done yeah if you're looking for more queerness in your your comics from series that were greatly loved my top winner for that is legend of korra Mm -hmm. Um, yeah so hey girl i did not watch legend of korra as it was coming out i tend to kind of hesitate on fandoms and wait till i can sort of just binge watch all of it just a quick note on that i know a mm-hmm. lot of people do that it is still important to watch things as they come out with it with cartoons it's a little easier but ratings people forget that ratings still matter yeah yeah, yeah no it's true yeah. sometimes i think about that and so i always try to make sure that i buy like the first couple of issues of something mm-hmm. that i like we yeah try to you know put especially the ones that we think are really important or really well done uh we put them on our pull list and we buy the individual issues mm-hmm. even though we know we're gonna buy the trades later because it's it's important because if you don't if you don't put your money as your vote for content then mm-hmm. the company doesn't see it as valuable and so they don't continue it so yeah so luckily they did the legend of korra turf wars as uh, they were like this is how many issues it's going to be we're going to do them don't worry about it (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) no they and and they had been doing this with the avatar series doing basically uh three or four book runs and just like putting out story arcs and it, they just get eaten up by fans so they know the fandom is voracious mm-hmm. and so they they knew the numbers were there so with a, pro- a similar property they mm-hmm. knew they could go in that direction yeah and also how much people rant about stuff online like how it rant in a good way like how much you love stuff really helps as well because if they can see that demand for it online from the the public, then that can help give them the feeling to push forward with projects. For this three book series, also from Dark Horse and Nickelodeon Publishing. Oh, you know um, what? I didn't even re- re- put in my notes. It was from Dark Horse. Jesus, Dark Horse. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, they do a lot of stuff. So Legends of Korra. Turf Wars is the name of the series, and the first book came out in 2017, and at Comic-Con that year, uh, they ran out of books on the first day of Comic-Con. Good for them. And then they kept ordering and bringing in more books for the next day, and every day they sold out. And so that's the kind of stuff that encourages, you know... You know, I wish it wasn't that way, but like those things happening is really reassuring because we know that companies listen to where consumers spend their money. You know, unless unless they have some sort of like ulterior motive coming down from the top where they just like 
crush things for no reason. But I mean, yeah, <laughs> most and, of the time. I mean, the Avatar series in general has a huge fan base, so I think that helped a lot. Yeah, and I, I think they were very surprised as to how uh, not just avid, but almost like rabid uh, the mm-hmm. fan base for Korra was, and the the want for seeing Korra as a queer character. I know that I started binging the show mm-hmm. the second that I found out that Korra was a queer character, and mm-hmm. I, I'm somehow miraculously lucky about staying away from spoilers for... You know, even though I'm watching oh. things way after I should. Oh, so you didn't know about the finale before you watched it. So I didn't know where the queer content was coming. And so... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I know. So my <laughs> wife and I kept, like, watching and watching. And we're like, we knew it wasn't in the, the early seasons. We knew it was the last season. And we're watching the last season. And we're like, oh, my God, wh- where is it? Where is it? <laughs> and do you want to explain what we got to see in the last episode? I, I wish I could have, like... Vi- like had like one you know how they have like those live stream kitty cams i wish <laughs> like i could just live stream your living room and seeing you guys be like what the fuck is happening um uh, where's the queer i'll i i would like you to get it explain what you saw <laughs> so you know there's basically they kind of allude to the relationship during the last season with the the sort of letter writing campaign between uh, Sami and the Cora. letter writing campaign. <laughs> yes, their letter writing campaign. <laughs> yeah, and really, like the only person that Cora is opening up to is her through these letters, and so you you know that there's something more beyond just adventure partners. You know, they have a real connection where they trust people, but you don't know is this a relationship is this like a really strong friendship like they kind of allude to it i think i remember i didn't quite get to watching the whole last season but i think i remember just the queer bits (laughs) just the queer bits oh yeah they complement each other Um, and yeah 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 so it did it was kind of alluding to being more romantic than friendly but they never said it and then they basically after the big final battle the queerness is them going off in the spirit world together and, and holding um, hands. Yeah, and holding hands. And Lara and I call it their... Um, Both of their hands. Uh, epic battle honeymoon. <laughs> epic battle and the, honeymoon. Yeah. The, and then Turf Wars picks up with them in the spirit world on their epic battle honeymoon. And then it's actually... Uh, it was such a relief and so inspiring to see how well the comics were done in terms of finally being able to address the queer content openly that yeah. they had been alluding to. And the thing that I loved about that is that when they start asking, doing the whole thing where they're like, well, when did you know? When did you know? They actually reference moments in the show that the fans picked up on. Yeah. Like the letters mm-hmm. and the driving. Like when Cora's talking like about how like... when I was like, helpless and... yeah. You, were, you, like, took care of me. Yeah. Um, and then Lara and I, I don't know how it was for you, but there's a, a scene very early on in the first book mm-hmm. where right after their epic battle honeymoon, mm-hmm. um, which is going to become our hashtag for the show, I think. Fine. Um, <laughs> That's fine, I think. Cora is, gets, like, a bug in her that she needs to, like, come out to her parents. Oh, God, yes. And so there's this very awkward dinner 
with her parents and where they they tell them well you know they're kind of like beating around the bush and then they're like well we're together and there's a silent panel yeah i think she just binge watched the l word i think that's what happened (laughs) (laughs) and then so there's that silent panel and then there's that like classic yeah avatar cora secondary Mm -hmm. panel where the parents are just like oh my god we're so happy for you yeah yeah that whole that's so awkward it's done so well (laughs) it's like whoa (laughs) Um, but the writing is still so true to the series like Mm -hmm. there's there's nothing in the writing where it feels to me like this couldn't have been part of the cartoon i know like it doesn't become i don't know it doesn't they they had the series creators the the series creators were involved in developing the story for the comic yeah they they were the the writers they were the Um, okay there wasn't they were the only writers for the comic right yeah and I think there might have been a third writer uh, somewhere in there, but mm-hmm. I lost track of their name. But the other thing that was really awesome to me was that the artist that they had for this series, Irene Ko, is also bisexual. And I don't know exactly if she identifies as bisexual or pansexual. Sometimes I feel like it's a really important distinction, and sometimes I feel like it's not. It's just important not to tell bisexual people they're pan and pan people they're bisexual. <laughs> it's important to let people have their own control over how they identify. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So as as far as I've spoken with Irene, I know that she's a bi creator and uh, she was actually a special guest at the last Queer Comics Expo that we had, which was in 2017. And she's just an all around amazing, sweet, nice person and her Tumblr is just filled with the most adorable drawings of women just like lazing around on a Sunday or like just being romantic together. And I just, uh, uh, um, I'm actually, I really hope with the Willows collection, (laughs) the Tumblr making Tumblr safe that she hasn't been under attack for that. I haven't checked yet. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. But, um, checking on Irene. So Irene Ko is the main artist on this. There's also an amazing colorist and penciler working on this book. Yeah, it's uh, a. I've got it. It's a uh, Nate Picos and Vivian Ning. I, I, yeah. Ing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so Vivian Ing's colors are just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, having done color work myself, Irene's work is beautiful. And then when Vivian comes in with those the color palettes that she uses, it's mm. just, it's always perfect. I felt like I was watching the anime. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, reading the book. So, you know, I really loved how they handled all the moments. Uh, of course, they still had, you know, most of the book was not about their relationship. It was about all the stuff that was going on in the world and with the triads and the new villain and her duties as Avatar, but they never really let go of the relationship. The relationship always tied into what was happening mm-hmm. in these other parts of the story. Like, there's a time when they're they're fighting the triple threat mm-hmm. uh, gang and Korra has to decide whether to save their leader from this spirit who just got, like, mm-hmm. overly, yeah. like aggressive and i don't think i don't think she decides so much as she's like that sucks but asami's over here and i have to save her because i love her (laughs) (laughs) um are we reading the same comic (laughs) (laughs) but it's like he's like 
you know, you have to, because it's that thing between (laughs) personal life and the duties of the position that you hold because she is the Avatar. And And also, yeah, she gets completely lost in the moment and Mm -hmm. is just kisses Asami in the middle of the battlefield. Yeah. It's it's almost like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, I'm so glad you're safe. And, you know, they're that's like, how uh, a bunch of them They're find like, out. oh, we're surrounded by everybody. <laughs> all right, so now we don't have to go through all these coming out scenes because now everybody knows. Yeah. And then I, they I think can that, figure, deal with it on their yeah. own. I, I also like that as soon as they leave the spirit world, they're just thrust back into the narrative, which I think mm-hmm. is was perfect. It's, you know, very true to, you know, what was playing out in the show before it ended. And I love that they also sort of touched on some other things that weren't mentioned in the show, mm-hmm. but now are made canon. Um, like the fact that Kaya comes out and talks about the, like her first girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. And-, and then she gives like the whole history of like how there were, there were gay people, <laughs> you know, elsewhere. Like, um, Which I think is an important temple. thing yeah. for readers to see because there's this idea that you know with the movement and once you push forward there's no going back Mm -hmm. but there are lots of places in real life that have been very open about lgbt equality and rights Mm -hmm. and through time either through colonization or uh, changes in leadership or history have become unfriendly to LGBT people in their society. Hmm. And so I can't think of any of those. (laughs) I can't think of any of that happening here in America or anywhere else where Um, we're free. There, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about it. I know particularly Mm -hmm. uh, in India um, as well. There are some really shit laws against queer people around the globe and, and here at home, so, I mean, it, we're not... I thought that was nice when Kaya basically... Uh, and the thing that I love about before Kaya kind of, you know, is like, hey, I totally know you two are dating. Uh, <laughs> the panels before <laughs> that, where she's, like, giving the, the lesbian side... Or the... I guess she's bisexual, or do you think she's lesbian? I'm like, I can't... I don't know. Um, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to, like, She, she mentions her. her first girlfriend, but I... I uh, can't remember yeah. if Kaya ever had a relationship in the show that I can't remember. Yeah, so I, I just think it's interesting because she's giving, like, that side eye. She's like, mm-hmm, I know what's going on here. Like yeah. w- like when Cora wants to go off and do something, and she's like, you're not going to come with me, Asami. I can't believe you're <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and that humor fits into the world very well, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, then, uh, and then I also like that she also, after she gives that whole stuff about how at the Air Temple there were a lot of same-sex, you know, relationships and... Then she yeah. talks about Lord Sozin criminalizing it. And then av- another avatar, uh, Kiyoshi, was, yeah. uh, alludes to her... Uh, was Kiyoshi a man or a woman? I can't... Woman. It was definitely a woman. Yeah. yeah, being bisexual. So you have in the short... I think it was like a page and a half of exposition, but they're able to be like, I'm I'm queer. These people were queer. There's a lot of queers up in here. Okay. <laughs> There's queers all over the place. But, but then, like, You're not she, alone. But then she also, you know, talks about what happened with Cora's parents is like, hey, like they're it's not about them not being down with what you guys your relationship. It's more about like the values of their tribe and uh yeah, the so culture. We, we- we didn't actually talk about that. So after they're really excited about them being mm-hmm. together and being a couple, Cora's parents are like, yeah, but don't tell anyone else because mm-hmm. that's dangerous and people aren't understanding. Yeah. And I know that for, for my coming out, the mm-hmm. way that my mom reacted mm-hmm. and my 
dad was both like, well, you know, that's <clears throat> that's fine. We're cool with it. But just be aware that, you know, you're you may be subject to more dangerous situations or, you know, being discriminated against and it might make your life harder. Uh, my mom had encouraged me to try to not mention my queer identity when I was applying for work. And pretty much after my first job interview, I, I've gotten almost every job I've had afterwards, uh, in part because I was queer. Yeah. So I did kind of internalize a little bit of that fear at first, but now I'm like, well, I mean, no, it's, it's yeah. good to put on my resume. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And, you know, parents, you know, they showed their support in different ways. And I think it's just mainly like people get scared for their kids. So it's not I didn't read it so much as Cora's parents being homophobic. You know, mm -hmm. they're just trying to be watch out for her. You know, trying to be protective, which she, is what which, parents do, yeah. or so, hopefully what should happen, but unfortunately doesn't always happen. So I, I, I yeah. think I understand why your parents probably started with that because it's like yeah. they don't and, want they don't want you to experience that kind of stuff. But the thing parents, a lot of parents don't really get is that you can try as hard as you want, but even if you weren't gay and you you looked a little butch or uh, mm -hmm. something like that it's very possible for people to assume that anyway and, you know, harass you, which is, which happens to people, you know, like they just have like a woman with a short haircut who, you know, doesn't fit their standards. Yeah. And then, yeah. I had a quote on my original Facebook page where it was something like, you can put me in a dress and I'm still going to look like a dyke. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Oh, no. Like I, I can't hide it. Like it's just, there. But I, yeah, I understand because there's also there, you know, they grew up with a lot more violence that oh, they yeah. were witnessing towards the commu queer community. And um, well, so from their perspective, yeah. it does seem like something very dangerous. If anyone goes out to see mm -hmm. the movie On the Basis of Sex, or I guess this will be probably be a while later. So if you get to see it on Netflix or mm -hmm. streaming service, I highly recommend it because Ruth Bader Ginsburg has this moment that helps her with the cases that she's fighting against gender discrimination because she realizes that her daughter is living in part a totally different life of lib like women's liberation that she never got to take advantage of or be part of. And so it was this realization that the world is moving on that helped her fight against legalized discrimination on the basis of sex. I like how you segued into RGB from Cora. <laughs> of course. <laughs> what else would I do? Um, now, if they could put RGB in Cora, in the yes. show. <laughs> She's the next avatar. <laughs> she might be. She might be. <laughs> Um, uh, I, I also uh, wanted to point out, along with like the revelations of other queerness within you know the Avatar universe coming through this comic book, there is one really nice moment that she has with um, Mako, where they have the inevitable conversation with Korra, where it's like, so... <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. He's like, I'm totally supportive. It's just uh, a little weird. It's only because I've never had one of my exes date another one of my exes before. It's taking a little getting used to, but I think you and Asami are both perfect for each other. And I was like, ah, you know, because they're like on the rooftop talking about it. And I was like, that's such a real answer. Like, he's not a dick, <laughs> you know. It's... He is dark and brooding, but. Is he? 
Yeah, no, and this, yeah, he's always like the dark, broody one compared I mean, to his brother. I mean, I, yeah, but I, they, they even joke about it in the, the comic. He but is, he's, he's as dark and breeding as you can be. He's as dark breeding, and dark. <laughs> he's as dark and brooding as like a, as a cat. That's skulking in the corner, like a cute little kitten. I've never, like, I know that they always try to make him, like, the darker brother, you know, because, but I'm like, aw, aw, hey. So he's he's as dark and brooding as he can be as a good guy in the, you know, Avatar core. In a Nickelodeon cartoon. Universe, yeah, on on Nicktoons, like, without becoming a bad guy. Yeah, and I just like it because there's a telenovela that I'm following right now that has an unfolding queer storyline that's not... In exactly the same basically there's these two girls who are friends and one's got this boyfriend who's super overprotective and clingy and and basically she's realizes that she's falling in love with another woman and the or the friend mm-hmm. and then and then she breaks up with him because she's like i don't want to be with you anymore and he freaks the hell out and all all his entire storyline is just him barging in her and being like are you fucking that guy who are you? Who's this guy you're with? Who blah blah blah? And I'm just like worried it's going to end up going somewhere like really bad. <laughs> mm. But the love story between the two women's great. But they started off as friends and double dated with this guy and another guy, right? Yeah, kind of. Which is kind so, of yeah, it's kind of a of similar, similar similar yeah, situation. With Korra so Asami and Mako. Yeah, and I'm like, usually when these storylines come up in any medium. That's what you get. You get like a really jealous, bitter ex-boyfriend who ends up doing something stupid to push on another na- narrative, which usually ends or is up- like, oh, did I make you gay? Exactly. Or <laughs> I, I did this. Yeah, it's like I did this. Yeah, but so that's why it was like really nice to see a really healthy coming out of their relationship, and then with him accepting it, he's like, you know, you guys are I, you know, I care about both of you, and you're really good together. So it's like. Yeah, Yay. it was really nice to Finally. see that because yeah. every time I see a story that's similar to this, it, there's usually just textbook. Like I can honestly, every time that boyfriend pops up in the story after it, I'm like, mm-hmm. "This is what he's gonna say. This is what he's gonna do." Blah blah blah. God damn it! <laughs> but this one actually finally surprised you. Yes. So yes. so yeah. I I. I had faith in them. I did wonder if this conversation doesn't happen until the third book, and he has a very, like, weird, awkward face when he finds out that they're together yeah. in the first book. Yeah. And so I'm, well, I'm curious wouldn't? if it was a reaction to fandom criticism, if they were trying to clarify, or if it was just, like, always the way it was, because it, it also makes sense timeline in the story as to when they have this conversation. Oh, do you, okay. I was trying not to spoil too much. I believe it happens after Asami gets kidnapped. Yeah, I think, I think it, and he's I, trying to reassure her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It happens after she gets kidnapped. So I don't want to like. Yeah. I'm trying I mean, not to name don't names to, of the we villains. Can, we can cut that part out if we if we need to. That doesn't no, I'm fine with leaving said. it in. But I mean, okay. obviously, I mean it wouldn't be a good comic book if somebody didn't get kidnapped or. <laughs> Like, uh, held hostage, or somebody was put at the peril and needed to be rescued, and in this case, it's Asami. Um, and at so. first, I was a little bit like, oh, really? They're gonna make Asami the damsel in distress? But obviously, she knows her way around tough situation, and so yeah. she's never really in... Distress. Well, she's in distress, but she's never a damsel. The whole story arc, yes, Korra and her crew 
mount a rescue, but that doesn't mean that Asami is just waiting to be rescued, which is something right. I've always loved about Asami is that she's never waiting to be rescued. She's like, okay, I know they're coming for me, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to do something about it. Anyway. And that that also pulls true in Last of Us with like I think that's just like the strong female character writing influence over the past several years, mm-hmm. which has just been like, you know, give give them agency. Don't don't just have them sitting there like do 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 do. Oh, I want somebody. Like, wouldn't yeah. you kind of try and get out of a situation mm-hmm. if you were like being held captive by someone. Oh yeah, are you are you referring to the end of The Last of Us where Ellie is being held hostage? <laughs> and there's... she bites that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that one. But there yeah, there's too. some other kind of yeah. similar situations. Yes, too. there are. Many. The last thing that I kinda wanted to talk about with Cora was that there is this theme through turf wars and it deals with the title too that separate doesn't equal peaceful coexistence. It doesn't equal, like, being separate and happy doesn't equal balance. They talk a lot about that between the human world and the spirit world. Mm -hmm. They talk a lot about it with Republic City and this idea of it's a great city because it has all this diversity. And yes, there is conflict between people living different lifestyles or coming from different backgrounds, but that what's meaningful about it is showing that in the end they can all coexist Mm -hmm. so yes we're a crime-ridden city but we're we're all trying to figure out living together and that's what's important huzzah (laughs) well and and so i thought that was important because there is this idea and Mm -hmm. it's reflected with her parents too of like Mm -hmm. oh that's great for you but just kind of keep your private life to yourself like why do you have to share that with me i don't want to hear about it is that if we just hide away mm-hmm. parts of ourselves or try to keep ourselves separate from those who wouldn't accept us, it, it doesn't really work well. It just builds up bitter oh, no, feelings yeah, and there's resentment resen- oh, like it does with oh the spirits God. in the book. Yeah, especially when it's family because it's like, mm-hmm. okay, so you want me to be here, but you really don't because you, I can't be completely who i am so you yeah are... you don't want me so yes to be here. you may be okay with me being in front of your face right now for whatever family function this is but you're not comfortable with me being here 100 yeah. percent, which is a problem and I, th- I know a lot of people deal with it so yeah yeah so so there's your there's there's your subtext message your moral to the story for Legend of Korra Turf Wars and it's just a really good read and it's a really fun one and it only took me about a 45 minutes per book so it's pretty quick read oh yeah if you have the graphic novel i don't (laughs) think there's you're not going to put it down to finish it for sure no (laughs) no you're probably not once you're out and once you're excited about who you are you know you you also need to get out there in the dating sphere so why don't we talk a little bit about dream daddy dream daddy dating a dad dating simulator so some of you might be aware of this game so Basically, they recently released a uh, five-part mini-series based on the game through Oni Press. Obviously, it's not completely based on everything that happens in the game because it, the game is basically you are a single dad and you actually get to play the game as a cis man or as a trans man, which is really cool because they have mm. yeah, so they have two sets of body options and one is binder bodies with a uh, you know the binders on the chest. 
Mm-hmm. And and it's actually got a high level of customization. You basically play a single father. You have a daughter named Amanda. Uh, you're a widower, and you move to a new town, and you get to date a bunch of. You get the option. I would say. I I don't want to say you date a bunch of single dads. You get the option to go out into the world and have adventures and meet other fathers who live in the area who are also single is do you also is like meeting their kids part of the dating experience you do meet some of them and it's it's just a really fun game so it was created by uh Leighton Gray and Vernon Shaw and so it was a uh, a woman and a man so mm-hmm. yeah so <laughs> I do I you really know if there like... were any trans creators that were working or consulted uh, on the game that I I don't know about consulted on the game. By now, it's possible that they've consult like done artwork because they actually worked with a lot of different artists for the artwork for the game. Mm-hmm. And but it was published by Game Grumps. So initially, it's easy to like look at a game like this and be like, oh well, it's just going to be a joke game, haha, you know, gay dads, whatever. But it actually is really poignant and like there are actual consequences. So if, like if you if you hook up with a guy too soon in the game, he's just going to think you're you want flings, you know, and stuff like mm-hmm. that. You can't date every dad in the game. So you have to, you know. You can't you can't it's just realistic. date all the dads. It's it's not just like a game where it's like I want to date all of you guys. No. Yeah. You can't. And it's cool cuz like each dad has like their own dad sona. Like that's mm-hmm. part of the thing they were trying to set up with the game is like you get to create your own dad sona. And uh, it's because when, uh, I guess, Leighton Gray and Vernon Shaw were, like, at Disneyland or something, and uh, they were talking about this Instagram that was called DILFs of Disneyland. (laughs) Oh, my God. So, it exists. (laughs) It is amazing. And if if you're a fan of DILFs, I highly recommend checking it out. But, Mm -hmm. so, that's kind of, like, they were kind of joking about this Instagram and, like, you know, looking at all the dads and... That's kind of like how this was kind of led up to this. And the game has like a lot of mini games and stuff. But the most important part of the game for me is like, you know, I'm not, I'm not looking for a daddy. I'm not, you know, I'm not, (laughs) I'm not a gay man. I'm not a trans man. I don't, you know, but this game is fun and it's well written and it can be enjoyed by all. Yeah, and the cool thing is uh, the narrative that they set up at the beginning, which I actually think that a lot of AAA studios should really take note of, is how they set up your character. So you basically, it, you wake up and you can't see your character yet, or you've created your character, but you don't see them yet. Mm-hmm. And um, But you're asked these series of questions and you have these dialogue options that help you set up. So you can actually choose whether or not your partner who passed away was a woman or a man. Hmm. And then, because you're going through these photos of your daughter, yeah. right? And you're talking about them. And then when you see this photo of you holding her as a little baby, you actually get to you get to say, this is the day you were adopted. Or this is the day you were born. So oh, even cool. Yeah. So even if you choose your, like, say you're playing as a, I mean, well, you're playing as a male character either way. If you're a trans man or a cis man who had a wife or a husband... Mm-hmm you still get those options. So they're not closed off to you. So you can... Right, be... they don't they don't limit the options based on your previous choices. Exactly. This makes sense because it's, you can have two men be in a relationship and still like have adopted a kid or still have been there for the birth of their child. And that's possible through many means of, you know, conception. There's a lot of different, yeah, situations Sur- Surrogacy, yeah. you know, they could, you know, even with adoption, it's possible to be there at the birth. So... 
I mean, so I like that that wasn't closed off. And I think that's something that a lot of narratives and games get wrong. I really like that the, the comics spin off the series and just each issue focuses on the dads you interact with in the game that uh, hmm. that you can date. There's actually storylines in these comics based on those dads. So is so, it like the the backstory for each of those dads, um, or it's not necessarily the backstory, but it certainly expands on their characters outside of the game because you do get a lot of backstory in the game, like you, you know, as you get to know them, right? But uh, yeah, I mean that's that's most of what dating is about is like, what's your backstory and how yeah. can we take that forward? Yeah, and then obviously you have to watch what you say. I uh, went to a cafe and you can ask for like an iced Tegan and Sarah. That's one. Uh, yeah. And it like and like that's the thing like <laughs> if you ask the 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 guy who owns a coffee shop, okay, mm-hmm. if you ask him for that, he likes that name and you'll see uh, him at react positively or negatively and you have to come up with a name for another drink and if it's not clever, it's not a clever pun then he won't like it or something or <laughs> disappointment. They need the pun book from uh, uh, Last of Us. You go into it thinking, oh, this is just for men who are into other just men. Just like uh, assigned male at birth men yeah, yeah. who are gay yeah. and not, you know, yeah, because daddy is such a mm-hmm. big part of that community's... Well, bears um, are, like the, <laughs> the bear community. but yeah. uh, it, It's part of their culture. Yeah, so it was really... And, and there's actually a goth guy in the the game who one of the uh issues of the comic basically focuses on robert who's like this like mysterious uh his dad sona i'd say is more like all of the queer energy from supernatural (laughs) (laughs) so he's like a he's like a vampire hunter he's like a brooding guy who lurks in the corners and he's like he's convinced this goth dad is a vampire (laughs) he's not but the way it's revealed is pretty amazing so I won't spoil that. But it, but like it does like that's what the comic does and you're not going to get that in the game. So it's like the comic does like these really interesting little storylines with the characters that players have already come to love and does it in a really cool way. Like it's I, your I beautifully drawn fan, fan fiction here. You could call it fan fiction, but yes. it's yeah. It's really it's really cool. It's really good and uh I created my dad Sona because they yeah, actually Yeah, what is, what is your dad Sona? <laughs> Tell us about that. My dad Sona, so they have Goku hair. So there's a lot <laughs> of options in this game for customizing mm-hmm. your character, but I pretty much stopped at Goku hair. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you I think most people stop at Goku here. Yeah. So my character is named Goku Dragon Ball. He's a <laughs> Puerto Rican trans man. It should be Goku Dragon Balls. <laughs> I was gonna you I actually ran out of space. I was gonna be oh. it was gonna be Goku Dragon Baller. Mm. I ran out of space. I used the Mac so Dragon Balls would have worked too. I'm a trans male super saiyan. So Yeah. <laughs> but uh it's it was a lot of fun creating the character, and it's just really nice because to have like the comic come out like recently, and it's five. And it seems like you- such a refreshing dating sim in general because a lot of I see a lot of ads for dating sims on mobile, and they all just seem like trash. <laughs> I mean, I mean, maybe, but I would actually, I'd say if it's if it's a queer themed one, I'd say give it's it probably give it a well chance, done. give it a chance. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that. All of them are perfect. There may very well be ones that are trash, but 
I mean, yeah, the ones that I'm, they're for mobile, so they're very, like, mm-hmm. all the women are, like, high glammed up and all the oh, boys are, look I think like I know. Are you talking about choices? Maybe. I don't know what it's called. Every time I, I see it come up as an ad on my phone. I think phone, it's called just, choices. It's like, ugh. he's cheating on me. What do you want to do? I'm like, I want to stop playing this game. <laughs> Um, yes. but, but one thing you should know is there is, uh, the first print issue, uh, Chris Anka did the cover art. Yeah. And so, he's an amazing queer yeah. artist. He also worked on Captain Marvel. Yeah. So, so you can, yeah. you can basically, you can get, uh, you can get it digitally, uh, through Oni Press or through Comixology or other places. It's only five issues. It's worth the print editions. I, I'm, yeah. I Do you know if they're collecting yet. it into trade? That I can't say. I haven't seen it collected as a graphic novel yet, no. Oni usually does, and Oni's doing a lot of really good... They may uh, have. ...queer content lately. They have a really good book on introductions to pronouns that I think at least won an award last year. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's on my shelf, otherwise... Oh, yeah, and also uh, is. D- uh, Damien is the uh, trans goth dad. And that was something people picked up on in the game because he doesn't go through a whole thing about, like, oh, I'm trans. If you don't play as the trans man, he'll talk about binders in his dialogue. So that's how people picked up on it initially when the game came out. Okay, cool. And another, like, show don't tell, you don't have to just, like, be like, hey, I'm trans. Exactly. They just, it's it's just, like, binders are an option when you're building your character. People will mention these things throughout the game. The dialogue in... You know, I I listened to a podcast by uh, Leighton and Vernon and that they were on and they just said that when they're writing the game, they were just trying to make each other laugh because the dialogue does make make you laugh. Like one of the tips during the loading screen was pet every dog. (laughs) And when you go to pet dogs in this game, it is not just simply you pet a dog. It gets very involved. It's like, do you want to scratch their chin? Do you want to rub their head? (laughs) <laughs> do you want to give him an itch behind do you want to go for the belly like it's like you have <laughs> options not just for dating dads <laughs> but for petting dogs yeah so i, I was like I was, that's pretty cool yeah. yeah so that book from oni uh that i mentioned is called a quick and easy guide to they them pronouns oh um, wow and it is written by let's buy that for um, everybody in the world especially now <laughs> Archie Bon Giovanni and Tristan Jimerson. Oh, cool. I do believe it won an award. So Oni has an imprint called, um, I believe it's called Lime Rinse. Mm-hmm. Maybe Lime Rinse, but I'm going to say Lime Rinse because that's how it's spelled. <laughs> but I mispronounce everything, so Me don't too. take my word for it. Me too. Yeah, so that, that imprint is doing all queer content. And so I'm really excited about that at Oni to kind of keep tabs on on what they have coming next. That's all cool. So, you know, we're we're getting kind of short on time. Mm-hmm. I know there were some other comics that you wanted to mention really quickly, which were related to the Arrowverse and to Injustice, Gods Among Us. So yeah. do you want to kind of give us what you were wanted to touch on on those? I just uh, kind of wanted to shout them out. Injustice, Gods Among Us. I'm not familiar with the game, but even though it's alternate universe, essentially, like people don't accept it as like canon for the main Harley series. Yeah, it is interesting. It's like a comic that became a video game or a TV show that came back to being a comic again. Yeah. So, yeah, because the, com- the video game it relies on alternate universes and stuff like that. So, 
and in the game, I believe that uh, Harley and Poison Ivy are on opposing sides by now, and in, in Injustice Two, and but the comics that accompany the game, uh, Killer Croc and Orca get married, and they're she Orca's talking to Poison Ivy about marriage, and and Ivy makes an offhanded comment about Vegas and an Elvis impersonator, and people are like, "What?" <laughs> you know, mm, and then yeah. there's like another Injustice Ground Zero. And in the ending, like, they just got done saving the world and Poison's Ivy's like, oh, I want to, let's go down on a vacation. And then they, like, almost kiss at the end. <laughs> like, it's like them leaning in for a kiss, their lips are touching, and that's it. I like that they at least addressed it. They didn't have to, I feel like, for injustice, but I like that they did. And then, uh, there, there was a, a mention of it. Yeah. And also, then- you know, well, I was going to say Harley's got to be careful with her kisses, but I think it only works on men. So And also Poison Ivy's still alive in the video game. I just wanna note that. Mm-hmm. Not bitter at all. And <laughs> not at all. Not at all. And a lot of people may not know this, but in the uh there are arrow comics of the CW show. And they do uh, correspond with the show's narrative. So after season two when Sarah Lance leaves with Nisa you know, because Sarah Lance basically is thought presumed dead because of the boat crash that Oliver's in. In fact, she had ended up on an island, joined the League of Assassins, had a relationship with Nisa, and then returned to Star City and then reconnected with Oliver. But Nisa came looking for her. And then you get that infamous kiss that was featured on the CW where it basically was revealed Sarah Lance was gay because Nisa, you think she's going to kill her and then they make up. Isn't that always how it feels? Yeah, it's always. And then, <laughs> but usually it ends with a knife, a knife in the heart. But uh, uh, in this case, it didn't. It's they're mm. not clearly like they kiss, but they're not really in a relationship anymore. And there's all this oddness. So in the show, although like it was very clear that Nisa and Sarah were like still kind of like had feelings for each other, they were on a very much not on opposing sides for most of season two until the very end. And then Sarah leaves with Nisa again to rejoin the league. We don't see any of that play out on the show. So (laughs) in the comics is where we see some of it. So they have a subplot in Arrow season 2.5 comic series where they help rescue a girl who escaped uh, captors after her and a bunch of other girls at the school in Africa were kidnapped. And she escapes almost dies, and they rescue her and bring her back to the League of Assassins, but also bring back the guy who head up the team that captured her and her friends from the school. And that girl ends up joining the League of Assassins. So it's an interesting subplot. And so you get to kind of see them as a couple doing their League of Assassins thing, being all romantic with each other, but ultimately Sarah wants to go back to Star City to chase down Malcolm Merle, or, or Malcolm Merlin. I always say yeah. Malcolm Merle. I'm like, I don't know why. <laughs> You're just tongue-tied. Uh, why do why do super characters all have to have, like, double same letter Malcolm names? Malcolm Merlin. Alliteration. I don't, I don't know. You're the comic book person. You tell because me. Because it sounds snappy. It's cooler. Alliterations because are cooler, man. Stanley. <laughs> so cooler. Rest in peace. Yeah. They're just so much better. But, yeah, yeah no, I just wanted to mention those because they people may not know about them. And especially mm-hmm. for people who care about Sarah Lance and Nisa's relationship, it's you really don't get a lot from the issues they're in, but it's nice to see it because it's something because it does lead it also leads directly into what happens 
at the beginning of season three, which fuck, which sucked because in order to get the Sarah Lance we have today on Legends of Tomorrow, she had to die. But I'm going to tell you that whole scenario sucked. <laughs> like everybody, every queer woman I follow on the internet, like was pissed off that happened. You're not bitter about that at all, are you? I'm still bitter about it, and she's alive. <laughs> she's alive now. I'm still mad about it. But we got to get you something sweet. So yeah, let's uh, <laughs> let's talk about something awesome. So. Yeah. Uh, Depending on when this episode's released, it mm. may be March, and it may be time for the most epic comic for queerness uh, that is based on a Netflix show. Yep. Jessica, do you want to tell us? Glow is getting a comic book series! Yeah! <laughs> yeah! So, oh my god, I'm so excited for this one. Um, so it's going to be written by uh, Teeny uh, Howard, and the art's going to be by Hannah Templer. From uh, Gem and the Holograms and uh, Dimensions. And uh, I think Teeny Howard apparently worked on uh, some WWE comics. So oh. any of you guys... Yeah, I think it's called The Euthanauts, if I'm pronouncing that properly. If you've... I don't... I haven't read that one. Yeah. Sounds like that's going to make it awesome. Yeah, so basically a brief synopsis of... It's going to be a four-parter, so it's not going to be a long story, but the synopsis is members of GLOW find themselves accidentally scheduled for a charity wrestling match with real lady wrestlers. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Yeah, so super excited to see what they do with it. Yeah. And I, I feel like they did a really good job with the likenesses of a lot of the characters. Oh, yeah, it's spot on. Yeah. It's so good. Like, obviously, I'm only interested primarily in what happens to Arthur and Yolanda, and forever that will be the case. <laughs> I mean, I care about all the characters on the show, but that their relationship kind of came out of nowhere and like really was a nice surprise for the second season so uh spoilers sorry <laughs> spoiler city <sighs> dear dear listeners read the show notes before you listen so you know everything you need to watch or read before we spoil everything <laughs> or just step um, on all the landmines <laughs> yeah Kablooey. Mm -hmm. do you know i was trying to remember because i uh I actually didn't get a chance, and I was really sad uh, that I still haven't gotten a chance to read the Gem and the Holograms comics. Mm -hmm. Do you happen to know if there was any queer content in that? That I don't know. I'll have to look into it. Yeah. We'll see. We'll find out. But we hope you enjoyed today's show. If we missed any of your favorites, please tell us on the forums. Please share your queer comics knowledge. We want you to be part of the conversation as well, and we hope you enjoyed the ones that we narrowed down to talk about today that we're best capable to speak about. And uh, we'll see you for the next show. Queer Comics Podcast is a part of the Geek Therapy Network. It is mixed and edited by me, Jessica Vasquez, and co-produced by Josue Cardona. Today's podcast also features original music by Tyler Francis, so if you like what you hear, make sure to check out his Bandcamp page, linked in the description, or follow him on Instagram at TylerIRL underscore. Make sure to subscribe to Queer Comics Podcast wherever you get your podcasts, and check out more shows in the Geek Therapy Network at network.geektherapy.com.